Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome to the second hour of the Garden Hotline. And Mr. Kelly, you look very snazzy with that Irish cap on and your shirt. Woo-wee. I figured I would wear my hat in this time so you could see it. <laughs> is that a hat or a cap? Uh, I'd call this a cap. Cap. Because it has that snap in the front? It has a snap in the front. It's snappy. So what happens if you unsnap the front? Uh, I don't know. Then it becomes uh, something else. A hat. <laughs> then it looks like a military hat. It looks like it needs it a, does. a so shield a, up a there. A secret life. Yeah. Mm. No, I'm going to leave it that way, and then I fit in better at the pub. <laughs> well, Paul, put me a pint, my friend. <laughs> Let me see if I can run out and get one. There's all kinds of tents and everything out right out here pretty close. So. I'll, I'll, I'll take a call or two for you while you do that. All right. If you want, yeah. Sounds perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so, folks, this is the second hour of the Garden Hotline. Tip of the trial shortly, but right now, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Questions, comments, or concerns. And thanks for having me on your show. And we can talk about annuals. We can talk about perennials. Speaking of annuals, you know, I a lot of people like to grow their annuals from seed. I'm, I guess, I used to do that, but I've gotten too lazy because I'm old. I'm you know, almost sixty nine years old, and I don't want to fool around with the seeds. So I used to, you know, have grow lights set up and everything else, and I had heat mats, did everything exactly, and had pretty good luck with it. But it's kind of like other things; you just kind of phase on to something else. But uh, your annuals, I do. I've mentioned plenty of times that the sweet alyssum does self-seed. So there's a white one and a purplish one. The purplish one doesn't seem to self-seed as much or as easy as the white one. So self-seeding means while it's flowering, it's kind of like weeds. They drop the seeds and the seeds will you know, germinate the following season. But so every year I get a couple packs of the purple sweet alyssum, and that way I just kind of sprinkle the seeds from the pack into various pots and or wherever wherever I decide to do it. So your bulbs, your spring bulbs should be really showing. Crocus should be in flower right now. Winter aconite should have already you know have been flowered. Snowdrops should be flowering right now. Cool season vegetables should be doing very well. Your ground covers, your house plants, your lawn, cool season lawns. They should be starting starting to perk up a little bit. Wintertime, even on a cool season lawn, kind of slows everything down. Perennials, start watching out for any of the perennials as far as when you're cutting through bed spaces and things like that so you don't crush them. And then any kind of foliage, stems or whatever from fall-blooming perennials, cut all that stuff off and watch out, and, you know, watch out for your iris, too, if you've had iris borer problems, borers. Lay the eggs on the leaves of your iris. They go down through the leaf and then get into the tuber or the root. Your trees, shrubs, vines, and water gardens. I'll share my thoughts. Remember, my question, my answers, comments, or opinions is certainly not the only garden path to take. Greg is taking the phone call, so just call, and he will take your name and where you're calling from. That's about all you need to do, and then we'll 
get you on air. I do uh, landscape consulting during the week, and uh, what I do is I come to your home and do a walk and talk, and you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and that's on the homepage. My email address and phone number is listed, and you can contact me. So, Tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me, and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. It's going to be a couple tip of the trials today, and uh, two doors down Charlie. Charlie lives two doors down from us, and uh, the other day... He had his mower out before I got home and everything else, and he chopped up a bunch of leaves that had blown up from the park. So they they were along the curb. I have certain areas, the way the wind blows, that they pile up. So thanks to Charlie and Tip of Trial to him for chopping up all those leaves. Tip of the Trial goes out to the Green Center, and that's that center for basically children education in the outdoors in University City on Blackberry Avenue. They've got a speaker, Don Sessions, and he's actually, uh, he was at Wash U Emeritus, head and neck surgery. So now he's very much, and he's always been into plant material. So he's giving a talk later on so you can contact the Green Center and find out exactly when Don Sessions is going to be doing his talk. Also, the Green Center, I think that's going to be in early April. And, uh, but, you know, they don't, these engagements where people come in and talk, there's no fee for them, but they do. I mean, if you could give a donation, they'd really appreciate it. Also, the Green Center, this is a time of year where they've got all these spring programs, nature play programs, six different programs for kids. And so consequently, the first one's going to be on March 28th. And like I said, there's six different ones. So if you're interested in either going to Mr. Sessions, his you know gardening, and he's a photographer too. So I mean, this guy has some talent besides being a neck and you know head surgeon. Good grief! I mean, wow, he's got to be something else. And then consequently, or if you're interested in giving you know having your grandkids or your kids attend some of these classes, here's the phone number: three one four seven two five eight three one four extension one o five. So. And also, you can go to classes at thegreencenter.org. So that's one of the things you can do. And also, at the Botanical Garden, this is basically the last week for the Orchid Show. It go, it's going through the 25th. So if you're really interested in seeing something really unique, the Orchid Show every year is always a fantastic show. So the Missouri Botanical Garden down on Shaw Avenue the Orchid Show is getting to be the last few days. So, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I will be back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. So, Joanne lives in South County. Joanne, how are you? Good morning, Mike. I'm doing fine. Thank you very much. Uh, I have a magnolia tree, which we transplant. It's only three years old. We transplanted it uh, last year from one spot to another. And um, it's got lower branches that come out. And I was wondering, when can I trim those? When can you trim them? Yeah. Okay. I mean, they're pretty close to the, one of them is pretty close to the ground, and I would like to raise that up a little bit, you know? Right. Probably I would, since you've just relocated it recently, when you do that, you tear up the root system a lot. Uh And for the root system to sort of like 
get reestablished, the amount, the more foliage there is on the tree, the better it's going to be because the root system, as much as there is, is going to uptake nutrients and moisture, send it up to the leaves, and then the leaves are going to make food, and that's going to send it down to help the root system get established. So I would probably wait at least one more year, and um, I don't know, is this a variety of magnolia that blooms in the summer, or is it a spring bloomer? Uh, it blooms in the summer. Okay, yeah. so... You really have you know plenty of opportunities. So next year, I would probably you know as we're coming out of winter time, do the pruning at that time. So in other words, uh, basically right around this time of year. Next year, huh? Right. I because I want to leave as many leaves on the tree as possible, so we can help get that root system established. I gotcha. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I was very apprehensive about trimming it. I was tempted to this year, but right. I thought, no, I'm going to call Mike Miller and see what he says. And also okay. when you make the cut, you know, if it's a longer branch, cut it off in sections. And then the final cut, whether it's, you know, off the trunk or off another bigger branch, no, make it so. off the trunk. Yeah. Okay. So then just leave like a quarter inch stub. Don't leave like a six inch stub or anything like that. Oh, don't go. go don't go. Pardon me? Don't take it all the way back to the trunk? Well, you're taking it back to the trunk, but you're leaving a quarter inch. Okay, all and right. what that quarter inch does is that contains, a, you know, that's where the cambium layer is, and that will help heal this up. If you cut it too close, then the cambium layer has a very difficult time of doing its work. I got you. Okay, well, I'm glad I called you. Thank you. I would have taken it all the way to the trunk. Okay, thank you very much. Have a good day. Certainly, you do the very same thing. Now let's go to... Greg's hometown of Springfield, Illinois, and going into Jerry's yard. Hi, Jerry. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having you on my show. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I got a nice rhododendron uh, plant. Uh, It's been in the ground for many years, and it's done pretty well. It's it's small, but it it flowers when it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I've I've noticed... uh, in the last few weeks, that the center um, piece of each of many of the leaves is turning orange. I've never seen that before, and I am scared, witless about what's going to happen to my nice little rhododendron. Basically, I don't know what your weather was like here, but all the broadleaf evergreens here in the St. Louis region got some major winter burn in January when those wind chills got really low. So we're seeing discoloration on all kinds of, you know, and that's my guess on what's happening, you know, with your rhododendron. Now that leaf, depending upon how much of it has turned orange or discolored, uh, it may, they may end up falling off, but they may end up staying, but you're always going to have that discoloration at that spot. Hmm. Anything I can do about, uh, uh, stopping it from spreading out more into the uh, rest of the plant. Well, the burn is already burn done. So the winter burn, you know, that's yeah. that's already passed. So there's, but just you know, make sure that you've taken you take care of it like you have done in the past. So and if we have dry spells or you have dry spells, you know, make sure you know you hydrate the soil and everything else. And I don't know if you historically have fed, but you want to use an acid-based fertilizer and maybe oh, yeah. give it some yeah. give it some fertilizer. What's the best time to fertilize? Uh, basically, from this point, every month all the way up until probably the f- uh, probably early June. Gotcha. Thanks a lot, Mike. Well, Thanks thank you.
you on my show. I appreciate it. <laughs> I appreciate that you having me on your show. And, and you know, Aggie? Oh, Angie. Angie lives in Warrington, Missouri. Hi, Angie. Hi, Mike. Hey, listen, I wanted to ask you what I should do for my knockout roses this spring, and I will hang up to take your response. Thank you. Basically, knockout roses, I've, you know, I grow my knockout roses in pots, and I kept them in the winter in the garage all winter long. I pulled them out the other day. So I have mine out. I watered them really well, so you want to make sure that they're really well hydrated. Uh, any kind of stems on your roses, you know, that uh, you want to cut back, the new growth is probably just beginning now. So get the pruning done on those as, as, soon, as, or, you know, as soon as you possibly can. And then get rose food fertilized with a fertilizer with, you know, for roses as opposed to just generalized fertilizer. That's probably what I do. Water fertilize and do any kind of pruning that you need to do and get the pruning done as soon as possible because the new growth is, you know, and this, these were ones that were, I cover with black plastic, you know, pa- you know, plastic bags sitting in the garage. I don't le- let them sit on the concrete of the garage floor. I have them kind of elevated on some, some plastic shelving stuff. That's like an inch or so above. But uh, when I, I was really surprised at how much growth there was already starting to emerge in total blackness. So I brought them out, and I'm going to wash them. There's probably a couple stems I'm going to have to cut off. I did cut them back to about uh, uh, probably f- you know 12 to 15 inches when I put them in there in the garage for the wintertime. But it, yours are not in, the, you know, in pots necessarily, but if yours are in the ground, go ahead and do the pruning and get it done as soon as you possibly can because the new growth is going to start. And then probably, uh, oh, let's say 1st of May or something, or mid-April, you can do the first fertilizing with your rose food and then fertilize every month all the way up through September. So let's go out to Wentzville and talk with Greg. Oh, no, Doug. <laughs> Hi, Doug. Hi there. Hi. Uh, you probably covered this before, but deer grasses, I've had them in the ground for about 12 or 13 years, about a half a dozen of them, and the centers of them the last few years are dying out, and it's... Uh, really not a very full uh, deer grass anymore. They usually get to be about five or six feet tall. Right. Any suggestions? Should I dig out the centers or what What should I do? They're clump growers. This is what's going to happen every, you know, and it's only, it gets dramatic after a few years. But uh, the clump growing means the new growth is only going to be on the perimeter. So you can either dig up the whole clump, the whole entire thing, chop out the center because that's never, ever going to produce any more you know, kind of grass blades at all, and then, you know, put it back in, or you can just, digging digging it out of the middle around everything else, you could try that, but then you're still just going to have, a, you know, the center of it's not going to have anything in it, unless you would buy another small clump and then put it down after you remove the dead center part, a new one to help fill in the space. But if you dig up the whole thing, chop out the center, get rid of that, and then, you know, compact it back so you can have a, you know, a more solid clump, that's, you know, probably your best option. All right. Thank you very much. Yep. And now let's go to John in St. Anne. Hi, John. Hi, Mike. Uh, just uh, somebody kind of had you cover roses, but I had a couple of questions. Um, my roses, I got knockouts and climbers. They're already looking like they're, they're budding. And, and so can I still try to prune them back, or should I? 
Uh, with the climbers, you really shouldn't prune them. But yeah, if you're gonna get, yeah, if you're gonna prune, even though they're budding out, go ahead and get it done now. Get it done as soon as you possibly can, because I mean, even during the growing season, you're probably gonna do some pruning as well. So consequently, with the climbers, uh, I would probably wait until you know and only cut off the stuff that actually is not producing any kind of foliage. So just kind of leave the climbers alone. Okay. Okay. And then, and then you mentioned. Them. Um, I, I got the, it looks like a bunch of wood that I stuck on it, you know, and, and so you say take about three inches off, just throw that in, in the refuse and then uh, continue later on and take all of it off? Yeah, ultimately you're just going to take some of it off at a time. And the reason why I'm suggesting just taking some of it off at a time is because this is like, you know, let's say a blanket. You put three blankets on during the winter time. You don't take necessarily all three off and just sleep with a sheet on top of you, you know, at night. So you just want to take one of the blankets off, one layer of the mulch off at a time, and then that way it helps the the crown, the, you know, the rose to get sort of acclimated to the cooler temperatures and everything else because we really don't know what's going to happen. It's still just, I mean, we still got a few days of winter left actually until the twentieth. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Certainly. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, questions, concerns, comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Got about 27 more minutes in this hour. We're headed to Godfrey right now, and we're going into Donna's yard. Hi, Donna. Hi, Mike. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I, I have a question, and I've heard you talk about this many times, about aerating your lawn right. um, twice a year, spring and fall, and then use compost and overseed. And I was wondering, is there a particular type of compost I need? Well, if you go to St. Louis Composting, they have one. It's called Turf Enhancer, so it has been formulated Basically, size-wise and everything else, to spread, they actually have a premium turf enhancer, too. So you just it doesn't really matter as long as it's compost. But some of the composts have big sticks and stuff like that in them. And, I mean, I'm not saying that even there is—when I buy bag compost from St. Louis Composting, I just get the normal—you know, I think it's, jo- it's not Jolly Rancher, but it's something along that line. And— uh, <laughs> But it's, you know, it's, form, it's formulated, you know, under the guise of the Missouri Botanical Garden. But anyway, so that's not the one you necessarily want. It's not, you know, it's not horrible, but you might as well get one that's been formulated, you know, ground down and everything else specifically to improve the soil in lawn areas. And then you spread it with just a regular spreader. Yeah, you can use a regular spreader if you want to. Now, some, you know, this, you know, Depending upon what type it is and where you get it and everything else, some spreaders, normal spreaders like fertilizer spreaders or grass seed spreaders, they, they get kind of jammed up because there might be some chunks in there. So you can either okay. do it that way or you can just go out and spread it you know, yourself and spread it all around and then just kind of pour it and rake it. It just depends upon what you want to do. Okay. And then one other quick question. I have three 35-year-old panicle hydrangeas. And they're on a hillside, and they've done well over the years, but the last two years, not great. And I also could not get to them last year to prune, so they're really tall. Um, Would you recommend that I – I'm at a turning point. Do I just cut them back by a third and 
use this as an experimental year to see if they do very well or should I just remove them entirely? No, I'd probably leave them to, you know, to just to find out what's going on. But I wouldn't necessarily cut them all the stems down by a third. I would go in and like maybe cut 50% of them down by a third and then leave the other half on that particular shrub at the height it is right now and just see what happens. Okay. Okay. I'll do it. Thank you so much. Well, sure. And enjoy. Now let's go from Godfrey to Hazelwood into Patchard. Hi, Pat. Oh, good morning. I'd like to thank you for your informative and interesting show. Well, thank you. Okay. I got for Christmas this little tree. It came in a huge box. I have no idea what it is. It's kind of like um, uh, it's got ferny uh, fronds on it. It looks like a little Christmas tree when it, it, when it came in. It's some sort of a bushy, uh, maybe cedar or pine, and um, it doesn't get very large. And I've seen them in front of buildings, and I understand that they don't get any bigger than maybe uh, four or five feet tall. Well, actually, if it's one I'm thinking of, it's Alberta spruce. And so you can just, you know, check it out online to see if it's an Alberta spruce. But Alberta spruce, everybody, you know, it's a genetic mutation that was found in Alberta, Canada, growing off spruce trees there. That's where this whole thing came from. That's what the name means. So it was a a branch off this, you know, regular spruce tree that this branch never grew right. But it had this kind of, you know, really spiny-looking needles on it. But they do get bigger than four to five feet. But generally, for the first X amount of years, they stay relatively small. Okay, it's only 31 inches now. That's, you know, that's almost three feet. So uh, just if you're going to put it outside, that's fine. You can certainly do that. And just make sure you don't put it up too close to your house. Because a lot of people plant them so close to their house then the back side of the thing is not getting any sunlight, so consequently the back side never has any, you know, it starts dropping the needles, and it'll never regrow the needles on the back side once the needles have been dropped due to lack of light. Mm-hmm. Okay, when I got it, it looked pathetic. It, it looked dried, <laughs> so I watered it and watered it, and it's got all these pretty little ferny uh, uh, fingers coming out. I right. Mean, sh- should I cut those back? I would probably leave it alone. Again, it's kind of like the lady you heard me talking about, you know, pruning, leaving as many leaves on as you possibly can. I think it was on a magnolia tree that they just recently moved. So leave as many needles. You don't cut anything off until you get it in the ground, get it planted. And that way, because the needles are what makes the food to keep, you know, to keep the thing growing, to keep it over, you know, just the overall health factor. Oh, okay. So if after a couple years... Then you could think about pruning, but you know, for the first couple of years with this thing, I probably wouldn't do any cutting, any pruning. Just leave everything go and just kind of hope that it's going to do well. Okay, I'll do that. I, I, I've given it, uh, it really came alive once I started watering it and put a little bit of fertilizer right. in it. Right. And since it's an evergreen, it needs a fertilizer for acid loving plants. Acid loving plant. Okay. Uh, and one other thing I want to tell you about my corn plants. Sure. I I have um, two different huge pots. There are three stalks in one pot and two stalks in the other pot. And it was about a month ago, and I noticed something coming out of it. And here comes this big vine. 
there there were three different stalks that bloomed at one time, and they came out, and those vines were like 22 inches long. The flowers that came out on those vines, the little stems that came right. out of the vines, beautiful. They were pure white, and it opened up about uh, 4 or 5 o'clock in the evening, and at midnight it was totally beautiful and fragranced the whole house. And then it was closed up by about 8 o'clock in the morning. Is that amazing or what? <laughs> that sounds perfect. You have the ideal circumstance for this particular plant. If they say it doesn't normally bloom, or some of them don't, I don't know. Well, it's, you know, everything has to be kind of just right for the things to bloom. But they do bloom. I mean, pretty much any plant's going to bloom one way or another. There's mm-hmm. not too many that don't. Well, I don't know which stalks bloomed before, but it was 10 years ago when they bloomed before. <laughs> I wasn't even looking for it, and here it was coming out of the, t- um, the top of the middle already. Well, that was nothing better than a surprise like that. Well, thanks, Pat. Useful. Yes, thank you for your show. Sure. And now let's go to Sue, and Sue lives in Baldwin. Hi, Sue. Hi, Mike. Love the program. <clears throat> Hey, listen, um, I had some sod put down a couple years ago, and I've had a lawn service, you know, keeping track, you know, doing my doing the monthly or whatever right. stuff. And it looked really bad last year. I think I was cutting it too short with my riding lawnmower, so uh, I'm giving up on the riding lawnmower. But anyway, so I spread a, a, a seed down, a tri, a tri seed or something. It's like three different kinds mixed in. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because I called the side company, and that's what they use. They let me buy it from them. So I put it down <clears throat> in December, you know, sprinkled it in, and I told my lawn service, I said, now don't put down that pre-emergent uh, crabgrass stuff or whatever because, um, you know, it'll kill my grass seed. Right. right. And I thought it did. So here they come, and they put down a pre-emergent. So I called them back because they left that thing, you know, and I called them back, and I said, I told you guys you weren't supposed to put that down. It was in the notes, you know, supposedly, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he he said, he told me it's like, well, that wouldn't hurt it. If Is that it? seed had not germinated, and if you put it down in December, it's not going to germinate then. It's going to lay there all winter long until the weather starts warming up. So the, to say something like it's not going to hurt it, that is completely wrong because any seed that germinates, and it, like I said, it didn't germinate in December because the ground is too cold. So to put it down at that time probably wasn't the most ideal time to do it. But since you did it, so consequently when it starts germinating, when the ground starts warming up, this pre-emergence is going to kill it. Well, that's what I told the guy. Right. Because my, bro- my brother's the one that told me how to do this. Right. And I should have put it down sooner, but I never got around to it you know he said put it down in the fall and i didn't so yes but but the the side guy said well go ahead and throw it down and then when it you know it'll get impacted in there and all that kind of stuff but i put down 50 pounds you know i mean you know cost me some bucks you know so i wanted to find out if this is the truth because if this isn't going to grow i'm going to tell them they need i gotta get me another 50 pound bag of seed and they're going to have to pay for it right Right, exactly and just i mean you can watch the areas and just see you know, because what happens is as soon as the seed germinates, so in other words, it, you've, it's very difficult to see in an existing lawn new seed germinating because the weather, the rain, and everything else has pushed the seed down in contact with the soil. So the existing grass blades are going to kind of hide this, but that's, you know, that chemical barrier from the pre-emergent, it's right there on the soil surface, and as soon as those seeds germinate, you know, that... It, 
you know, just that, that's it. Well, I have a, a slight incline, and I noticed from before when I've, you know, like when uh, we fertilize or the grass seed, you know, it kind of runs down the hill and it gets really green down, by, you know. Right, because the seed runs down to the bottom of the hill. Right. So that's what I've been looking for. I've been looking to see if I see any new sprouts yet. So when would when would seed start sprouting? Uh, basically, we're getting really close. It's when the soil temperature gets 50 degrees plus. So in other words, a good way, and I always say this for any kind of, you know, grass plants or lots of different kinds of seeds, when the yellow forsythia is in bloom, that's when seeds are really going to sort of explode as far as the numbers are going to be germinating. Oh, great. Okay, great. So so should I wait till uh, to see if it starts to bloom and then tell them about it? Right. right. Wait, wait until the, the forsythia blooms and, you know, gets, let's say, even wait till it's finished blooming. Then by then, if you don't see any new grass seed germinating from the seed that you you know, put down any kind of lawn grass, then it's, you know, it's dead, it's gone. Okay, and then, um, and then would it be okay to put grass seed down at that time? It all depends on the pre-emergence they put down because sometimes you have to wait like, you know, three or four or five weeks after it's put down because it still has the effectiveness on killing seed. Okay, so wait till uh, that time frame is over and then it's okay to put Right, so in other words, you'd probably be doing it sometime like the end of May, 1st of June. Okay, and then one other question. Uh, since I had sod, uh, we put the sod down ourselves, but uh, since the sod was put down, what, three years ago, uh, could I, should I aerate that? Absolutely. Oh, okay, good. And when's a good time to do that? Uh, depend, you know, you can do it in the spring if you want to, or you can do it in the fall before you, if you're going to overseed. Yeah, well, I'm going to overseed again, but uh, I didn't know, uh, so I could do it in the spring and that would help. Yeah, anyway. spring, basically, you know, Get it done before it gets too dry. So thanks, Sue. And uh, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go. Elza from Sparta, Illinois, how are you today? Morning, Mike. Hi. Uh, I have an amaryllis problem. And I got one for Christmas, and it's got leaves on it. It has seven leaves, and about two of them are starting to turn really, really yellow. I was wondering, can I trim those yellow ones off right now, or should I just leave them as they are? And I do I need to fertilize this? I have another one that has about three plants or leaves on it, and I never have any flowers. So... I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Well, you're probably sequencing it wrong, but yes. Go ahead and any of the any foliage that turns yellowish, cut it off. Cut it back okay. to, you know, as close to the let's say the the bulb where it's coming out of as you can. Then grow, you know, fertilize them every month with just a normal type of house food and uh, you know, make sure they're in a very sunny location all the way up until September. Then in September, you stop doing anything. You cut all the leaves off. You put them in kind of in a dark location, you know, in a pantry or a closet or something like that, and leave them in there for any place, you know, for a couple months. Then pull them back out, start watering again, and you should get some flower. Okay. I put them down in the basement in the coal bin. <laughs> it's really, really dark. But I, shall, I will cut them off, and thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you. And now let's go to Marilyn. Marilyn is from Granite City. Hi, Marilyn. Well, good morning, and Mike, always enjoy your show. Well, thanks. You know, I understand these lawn companies are 
are ready to start making their money. I am supposed to have aeration and overseeding. And he called and wanted to fertilize. I said, you don't do that before the other. Am I correct in saying that? Well, it all depends on what type of fertilizer he's using. So it's okay to fertilize. It just, you know, if it has, a let's say, a high nitrogen to it. So in other words, the first number is like 30. The other two numbers are 10 to 10. So um, I, I probably wouldn't do that, but it's probably not going to cause all that much problem. And I'm assuming if it's, you know, if it's not the lawn doctor, most of these lawn companies are using a liquid fertilizer, and that's going to mean it's going to have less impact on the seed as it germinates. So he's pr- you're probably okay with it, but I would, you know, myself would, you know, if he's going to seed and do all this other stuff, I'd want to put a seed starter type fertilizer down rather than just a, you know, normal, let's say, lawn fertilizer. Okay, then how how long should I wait? Uh, you know, should I go ahead and let him aerate and, and overseed and then put the seed starter, put the seed starter? I'm confused. Yeah, the actual sequence doesn't matter, just so they're all done in a relatively short period of time. So in other words, don't just do one thing and then come back a couple weeks later and do another. If they could all be done in one, let's say, one time in your yard, that would be ideal. If they can come back, you know, in a week later and let's say they've done the seeding and they've done the core aeration, come back and put the fertilizer down at that time a week later, that would be perfect too. So it's, you know, the actual That's sequence doesn't matter. It's just they should be bunched together. Thank you, Mike. God bless you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, thanks, Marilyn. I appreciate you calling to your show, it is. It is your show. And Shirley lives in Centralia. Hi, Shirley. Hi, Mike. How are you? Good. Um, this is in regards to the gentleman earlier in the program about wanting to start a rose from a bush. My mother years ago would take a cutting, and she would stick it in the ground, and then she would put a jar, a canning jar, mm-hmm. over it. And she left that over the winter time, and I don't know how long, but eventually she did get a start of a rose. Right. And I just thought if the gentleman wanted to try something like that, I thought that was a neat idea. Yeah, it's a great idea, and you can do it from living shrubs. He was trying to get a cutting from florist roses. So in other words, some he bought or somebody bought him or gave him or he gave it to somebody a dozen cut roses from a florist and he was asking me if those could be actually rooted and I don't you know I've just never heard of anybody being able to do that so that's no because I, I I worked in a flower shop for a few years and they put preservative in the water right. you know so that they last long sure and. Yeah, no, they wouldn't work either. But if he had a friend, maybe he could get a cutting from one of, you know, his neighbors, and then he could try that if he has any luck. And um, I thought it was a neat idea, and it worked. Right. (laughs) Basically, your mother, with putting a jar over the cutting, she was creating kind of a little greenhouse for the thing. So it was an ideal thing, and it's a great idea. Yeah, uh, it would get, you know, it would get um, water uh, mist inside the right. jar. I, I always looked at it sometimes. Right. Well, thanks, okay. Shirley. You're welcome. And now let's go to Staunton, Illinois, and into David's yard. Hi, David. Hey, Mike. Um, I've started some cannas from seed. How long will it take them? Will they flower this year, or will I have to hold them till next year? From seed? Yes. No, they're not going to flower. 
I don't even know how much growth you're going to get from seed. So you're not using the regular tuber that you buy for cannas. No, I tried. I tried the seed, and I got three flats. They're about eight inches tall already. Really? Wow. Yeah. Then they may, you know, I've just not, I've never really had good luck with, you know, growing them from seed. So if they're eight, eight inches tall, you must have them underneath grow lights? Yes, and yeah. now they're, they're just in front of a window now. Right, so uh, how, how big is a stalk? That they came from, the parent? Or no, 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 the one that's, this, one that's eight inches tall. Oh, oh. About a cigarette size. Okay, so pretty small. So I would just, I, my guess is they're probably not going to flower this year. But if you've had that great luck, man, you should get yourself hired by some kind of garden center. <laughs> Very good. Thank you. <laughs> Certainly. And now let's go to Crevecore, and that's Rita's yard. Hi, Rita. Hi, Mike. Okay, I know your show's winding up here, so I'll kind of uh, try to be brief. Um, pruning. I have well, two two questions. First, first pruning. I have a retaining wall. Actually, you've been out here. Blah blah blah. That doesn't matter. Um, I know what little I know of smaller bushes. They'll generally say uh, pruning late winter, or early spring. Okay, that is okay to do now. That I get generally speaking. And then some are after the flower, after spring flowering. I right. understand that concept. Old wood, new wood. I mean, I know generally. I'm I'm not a gardener. I'm a yard work gal. <laughs> um, but wood. My general question about pruning then is because things have gotten kind of wild and crazy. I haven't done done pruning on most of these. Does it damage if you if I decided just you know, shape things up now rather than to go in letting it be wild and crazy where they where they get into each other and it makes a mess. Does it damage the plant or is it just you might not have as good a bloom that season? Well, it could damage the plant depending upon how much you cut off because, as I continue to say, the leaves on the plant is what makes it. They use sunlight to take the nutrients and moisture up from the root system to make food for the overall health of the plant. So right. if you cut off too much, that's where the problem comes in as much okay. as anything. So if I just kind of give them a, a, some, some cosmetic snips, for lack of a better term, right. um, I might be, you know, I mean, I don't want to kill these guys, right. of course. So you should be it, fine. It, it was getting crazy last year, and I thought, you know, I can't have this. I need, to, I need to attend to this. Right. And I do know the butterfly bushes. I've got some, you know, that I can get those low. And I, a couple, I've got a, a lot of different stuff. So sure. I'm, I'm addressing all of those. All right. Shift to question. I have, a few years ago, I put down some zoysia sod in a very sunny spot because other stuff, blah, blah, blah. It was great. It spread. Um, you know, it was in strips. And then some disease came in in the last year or so, and uh, acknowledging I didn't attend to it, didn't realize what I was getting in because I don't like turf grass. I think it's a an, an, an maybe necessary evil. Right. But, so that's my frame of reference. And I'm considering, rather than trying to redo this whole area that has now just gotten down to dirt, I'm considering putting in some ground cover. Sure. Can you suggest any? Now this is full sun. Right. Um, a anything that would have kind of a grass-like look. Cause I can, I'm going to get pushback from my husband. I know it. Um, or I may make some, put some planting areas in right. for some bushes or stuff. But anything come to mind? Well, take a that, look at the monkey grass that spreads. So you want yeah. Liriope spicata. All right. Now, I'm, if I do that, and I'm familiar with that, um, well, and I have deer, and I know they don't, they'll nibble, but they don't destroy that right. generally. You know, there's no deer proof. It's deer resistant. Maybe. 
unless it's February, and then they eat everything. Sure. But um, that still is going to need the maintenance of cutting it back, but then letting it grow. Is that the primary maintenance? Yeah, you just mow it once a year. When, we, okay. when we're coming out of wintertime, when it's brown, just set the mower high and just mow it. All right, and if I want to contain it some, well, I'll have to deal with that because the other parts of the lawn are fine, but this area is just, oh, it's making me crazy. Yeah. So is there a way to, if I like mulched around the edge or something to keep it from spreading? No, it's still going to spread. It's still so going to spread into the rest of the lawn. Yeah, but it's going to be a slow process. So plant yeah. in the center. So um, Rita, I'm sorry, we're going to have to go. We're just figured, basically yeah. out of time. Okay, I, I anticipated that. Yeah. Thank you very much, Mike. Bye sure. Now. And sorry, Jane and Carol, we're not going to be able to get to, get to you, but hopefully I'll be back next week. Who knows? Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I might see you next week. The voice of the Cardinals. News Radio 1120, KMOX. KMOX HD, St. Louis. 102.5 KEZK, HD3, St. Louis. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.